Hi, I'm Kevin K. Shaw. This is Play Years. Thanks for listening. You are on a very fast-moving ship, but you are still about six months away from your destination, which by all accounts takes you past a planet with intelligent civilization. Their planet is covered in water, has an atmosphere, and is well-positioned around its star, and there are several metallic objects encircling the planet, emitting a variety of signals, presumably primitive satellites of some sort. The only sensible approach here, as it is unknown if this civilization is hostile, and also because everyone's tired after such a long journey, would be to approach with caution, and perhaps low-key surprise, until it's time for contact. Although your ship can't cloak in the presence of this much starlight, and although you can't magically disguise your ship as a comet, you can attempt to maneuver closer to the real comet you've been rapidly catching up to for a year. And if you position your ship behind the tail of the comet, and slow down to match its speed, just as a precaution, then they will just see the comet, not your ship, if there are even life forms on the planet with eyes on space. Plus, the fact that this particular icy comet has formed two tails as it approaches its star should, in theory, make this stealth maneuver towards this unknown planet that much easier. It was a hot July on Earth in 1995 when you could say it was officially observed into existence. It's hard to say where it came from or what it's doing orbiting our star just like we are or why, approximately the same age as our Earth, it's making its own long 2500 year path around the sun, blazing its own trail. And we don't know exactly where it came from, but nevertheless, as the bubble of our solar system flies around the galaxy, this giant icy thing has been flying around with us all along, and none of us knew. Except, when it came to within seven times the distance from the Earth to the sun, when it was that far away, it happened to be spotted by two sets of eyes, one in New Mexico and the other in neighboring Arizona. They saw a pale dot in the direction of globular cluster M70, and the dot would grow a tail and then two, but they didn't know it then. Still, these two men, amateur astronomers that hadn't met each other, found the same new furry dot as they looked through the gates of heaven using a telescope on a dark summer night. Last names Hale and Bob. Although it was so far it wouldn't be visible to the naked eye for almost a year, they would eventually adorn Earth's skies for 18 beautiful months, and it was bright, brighter than anyone thought it would get. Pretty soon everyone was looking at Hale-Bopp's comet around the world, and astronomers had turned their telescopes towards its coordinates. Parents took their kids out into the backyard with binoculars to have a look, and together, humanity pretty quickly reconfirmed its existence over and over again. Although it was no danger to Earth, it was definitely not imagined. At the same time, a group of people living together, secluded in a suburb of San Diego, were also looking up at the comet. And it was the confirmation they needed to shed what they called their containers, which were their bodies, and to graduate, or level up, and meet with the spaceship that they imagined was traveling in the comet's tail. This was the magic moment for which they had been waiting for 20 years. Their chance to beam up, so to speak. I've managed to keep my big magic trick a secret now for over two years, 
My daughter doesn't know exactly what I'm doing to reanimate her most prized possession, or to be more specific, how in the world I'm taking an old toy and making it brand new right in front of her eyes. The magic is just a way to replace her favorite toy, mixed with a dad trying to be clever, and I've done it two years in a row, with different magic tricks too. She has this favorite little stuffed animal pink puppy, who has a button inside that makes him bark. The toy has joined her family to the grocery store, restaurants, trips, hotels. He's gone with her to preschool, and she still sneaks him along at the bottom of her backpack, even though she's not really supposed to bring toys to TK. But I get it. Her pink dog needs to see the world, and, well, we just play along. Pink Dog is his name. And of course, Pink Dog has been there for her when she needed him all throughout the pandemic. There are times when she forgets to bring Pink Dogga, and that's okay. She's never too worried. He sometimes disappears for a few days to explore the world, or behind a couch, or a car seat. We've also celebrated Pink Dogga's birthday at least 18 times in imagination years, but he's only been with her half her life so far, at five. He also had a graduation and a wedding, and he's got a variety of stuffed animal friends in a colorful pile on the couch, but none of them, time has shown, mean to her as much as Pink Dogga. No other object has her love or attention more than that dog. And after all that love, he's stinky and needs to get washed on a regular basis. And after a few washes, and there's no way around it, the barking speaker is dead, and the only voice left in her pink dogga is the one in my daughter's imagination. And after 12 months of regular washings, he can no longer sit up, seams are coming loose, his pink fur is whitish gray, and he's ready for retirement. And so when her doggo was ratty again from another year of washings, it was time for the yearly birthday magic trick to rejuvenate him, so to speak, by her father, the magician. The magic transforms the old pink doggo, broken bark and all, into a shiny brand new pink doggo, exactly the same, except with fresh, bright pink fur and, of course, that little bark again. And given that she still loves pink doggo, it's a great way to start her birthday. I used a cardboard box with the new pink dog I ordered already secretly inside. I put a taped cardboard wall in the middle, and on each side of the box a small hole with an identical cover. She puts the old ratty pink dog on one side, I spin it around a few times to confuse her, and she pulls the new dog out from the other side. I decorated the box with pink wrapping paper, but it was simple as that, and it worked. My son was laughing and my wife amused, my daughter staring wide-eyed, smiling, flabbergasted, super happy, hugging her new pink dogga. She asked me how I did it, but I just told her she did it. The magic works because of her love. There was something quite spectacular hiding in those two tails of Hale-Bopp as the comet approached the sun, steadily melting, coma getting larger and longer. It was something that probably got their imaginations going. But those researchers observing the tale found, and measured, an important clue, a piece to help them complete the grand puzzle of where all life on this planet comes from, or at least another confirmation. And although none of those researchers ever even considered if there was a spaceship hiding there, they knew for a fact that in the tale were the missing ingredients for building life. Now the building blocks of life are complicated, just as perhaps the building blocks of living a good life. And every once in a while, for whatever personal reason, some people feel as though life on this earth isn't perhaps good enough the way it is to stay for the whole ride. It's hard to say. I can't claim to know the reasons why someone would cut the journey short. But this cult, 
more recently calling themselves Heaven's Gate, kept a steady eye towards that comet getting ever closer, and ready themselves to graduate from earthly life. Of course, the spaceship hiding in the tail never came into view, but it didn't matter. They were all sure it was there. Just as sure as the researchers that were studying the tail of Hale-Bopp knew what was in there, and just as sure as my daughter knew that Pink Doggo was transformed by magic and her love. In the scientific sense, life begins with four ingredients. These ingredients together, after a variety of reactions and transformations, give rise to life. The simple Italian dish aglio e olio is technically made with more than four ingredients, but for the sake of simplicity, let's just start with the basic four that make this dish. Spaghetti noodles, garlic, olive oil, and parmesan. This dish is nicknamed Midnight Pasta because it is said that Italian cooks make it for themselves at the end of the night after cooking all day. So it's perhaps a bit like eating the canvas rather than the beautiful paintings you've had to serve up all day. Nucleic acids, which is DNA and RNA, is the garlic here. The lipids, which are fats, is the olive oil. Proteins is the parmesan, very important. And glycans are carbon chains made and used by all living things. Think of them as sugars used for fuel and increasingly complex operations over time. So the spaghetti noodles. We also need energy and water doesn't hurt. For life, that energy is UV light or the flame under your pot of boiling water. So that's the basics of life, but of course it can taste better. Add salt, evolution, Italian chilies of course, sex. Not sloughing off a fingernail to create a person is a nice touch. Also add some Italian parsley, which is nurture. Whether it's instinct, environment, nature, religion, parenting, or just love. And lastly, basil, proper diet, and oregano, proper exercise. But they are needlessly debated as to whether they are really needed for life, or at least this dish. Now let's rewind these revolutions around the sun and travel back in time a few billion years. Backwards from humanity to a monkey-like creature, to a mouse-like creature, all the way back to that salamander that crawled onto land. And then just keep going back. Until all the animals disappear. Until there's nothing but prehistoric plants. And then go back further, until even the life down to the microbes and the oceans disappear. And then slow down, as the oceans themselves shrink. Okay, stop. It's just barren earth now. Not entirely raging volcanic fire anymore, but lifeless nevertheless. Today, a short day, around 20 hours, the earth celebrated its 840 millionth birthday. We're about 3.7 billion years ago from where we started this journey. So let's look around. Rocky landscape everywhere. In front of us, we see a dark pool is formed. We approach it carefully and sample the liquid in the pool, the jagged edges of rock digging into our suit as we kneel. We run the sample through our pocket spectrometer and gas chromatograph, but no noodles, no garlic, no oil, no parmesan. Nothing in this primordial soup, or in the air. Where is everything? Where is everything we need to generate life? Did we go back too far? What did we skip? Life begins through a maze of paradoxes because, of course it does. You could say it's magic, or you could say we haven't quite figured out the entire trick. But we do know you have to begin with a genetic molecule of some kind, like DNA or RNA that is capable of passing along blueprints for making proteins. But cells can't copy DNA and RNA without the existence of proteins themselves. Glycans are compounds of carbohydrates bound to proteins. And you need lipids to give us the membranes we need to hold everything inside and together. But once again, only protein-based enzymes can make lipids. 
So this paradox is a mystery, and the more we learn, the deeper the mystery gets. Many scientists have tried to create these building blocks in the lab, and they did achieve simple aminos using a variety of tricks, ammonia, gases, even injecting lightning to spark life. Finally, after a series of failed experiments and a few successful ones that took him and his colleagues down the rabbit hole for six additional years, Dr. Frankenstein of Cambridge was able to synthesize nucleic acids, amino acids, and lipids, key ingredients needed for early life, using only a pair of simple compounds in UV light. Sorry, his name was not Dr. Frankenstein. Rather, it is the respected John Sutherland and his team of chemists that did accomplish something in 2015 that perhaps a hypothetical Mary Shelley might be intrigued by 200 years earlier. And even more of a feat, they only used two compounds to create these blocks of life, hydrogen cyanide and hydrogen sulfide. So, building blocks of life can perhaps be cooked up on Earth, in the early atmosphere, and in a variety of primordial pools that eventually mix and combine over time with rains and runoff. And simply by using the sun's ultraviolet energy, hydrogen cyanide and hydrogen sulfide can transform into the missing building blocks of life that we're looking for. But what about the cow? Parmesan cheese doesn't just materialize, and for oil, you need an olive, or at least a seed to grow an olive tree. And you need seeds to grow wheat and garlic, too. So where on earth do we get hydrogen cyanide and hydrogen sulfide if that's the cow and the seeds here? Well, we don't. First, we have to look up at this ancient sky. And like bread from the heavens, we see comets are streaking across it. A few hundred million years of comets, in fact, with some hitting this planet and spreading its contents across the Earth. These compounds found nowhere on Earth at that time are common in comets, and they were in Hale-Bopp's tail, too. Perhaps just a few hundred million years in Earth's early history of regular deliveries from the cosmos of our favorite flying creator-destroyer, the comet, may have deposited exactly what was needed into our boiling pot and eventually helped give us the dish of life that we all love to eat. I called it the magic dog wash and it worked. A combination of sleight of hand and a father's love. I got her to look at me with eyes filled with wonder and confusion, and that was pretty magical. Her brother had a lot of questions, so I finally explained the trick to him in private, but I haven't told her. She's pretty much instantly accepted it, and the old dog was long gone in the trash. But all the previous love and memories instantly downloaded into her new pink dog are just the same. And it's all right by me not to let her know the magic wasn't, quote, real. She'll figure it out soon enough. For now, she still breathes life into that inanimate object every day. And not just her conversations with Daga or the stories she tells us about him, or his side adventures that only she knows about. There's love there, even without life. Certainly more love than the houseplants, or the family fish, or the other living beings besides humans in her orbit. And there's magic there too, in that love. So why not feed the imagination, and build upon the mythology? They were heavily influenced by Star Trek. One could say these people had evolved a very strange system of belief, or just had very active imaginations that completely took over. They were convinced that their mothership, hiding there in the tail of Hale-Bopp and getting closer, was coming specifically for them. And when that comet in the sky that the world was looking at finally approached Perihelion, its closest approach to the sun, it would be time. The ingredients of death are quite simple. In this case, phenobarbitals, enough to release 39 human beings from their containers, 
a choice of applesauce or pudding to go with it, and some vodka to wash it all down. They each kept $5.75 in travel money for after graduating to a new level of transhuman existence, basically a non-physical spiritual form. They put on their new Nikes and purple jogging outfits. Men and women cut their hair to all look similar as they believed themselves to be sexless. Some even had operations to make it so. And to be honest, they looked somewhat Vulcan. They recorded their testimonials and farewells on a VHS camera. They said their cheers and maybe choked or gagged a bit before a final dream about that beautiful comet in the sky and the ship in its tail coming for them. But this wasn't magic, this was real. And all they needed to do to enter their heaven's gate was just drink it down and finally make it to that ship. Who knows what they were thinking in those last moments or what they weren't thinking about. Arthur Bob warned his colleagues that weird things were going to happen once he co-discovered that comet. We are probably going to have some suicides as a result of this comet, he told a colleague. After the 39 bodies were found, his phone rang off the hook. He said, quote, Comets are lovely objects, but they don't have apocalyptic significance. We must use our minds, our reason. But I'm not sure reason, when fighting our minds and our powerful imaginations, will ever win. Apocalyptic or not, one thing is certain. Comets both make life and take life. Now the problem with impressing your kids with magic is that they're going to want to keep seeing it again and again, and also, somehow it has to get better. And after another year of washings, for her fifth birthday, and my second magic trick, I came up with a new idea. Two cardboard boxes and two black bags, exactly the same. In one box, I put the new dog and put that box in a bag and under the cabinet in the kitchen island. The next morning she arrived for breakfast and sat on the opposite side of the island from where I would perform the trick, and she was already excited and ready for what was about to happen. She carefully put her ratty old dog in the empty cardboard box. I closed it in front of her so she could see, and I put it in the black bag. Then she opened an envelope I gave her with a poem about her pink dog, which I will spare you, but her brother read it to her. The poem instructed her to look under her seat for the magic words that would bring pink dog to life. Under her seat was a pink note in the shape of a paper airplane that she had to open. In the note were the words, I love Pink Dogga, which she had to say out loud, very loud, for the magic to work. During all this distraction, I had already switched the box in the bag in front of her with the one I had hid under the cabinet. When she was done with the magic words, I told her, open it. She looked at the box in front of her and opened it, and there it was again, for the second year in a row, a brand new Pink Dogga. I know there will come a time when Pink Dogga won't have this kind of attention. There will be a day when she puts Pink Dogga back in the pile of stuffies and probably never picks him up again. Or maybe it'll happen over time and not all at once. But either way, there will be a time when the inanimate object that had so much life breathed into it will return to being inanimate again, like a quiet comet in deep space that loses its tail when between trips around its star. Nearly everything that happens in the cosmos appears to be creation and destruction in a repeating cycle of varying time frames. Sure, that asteroid killed the dinosaurs and 95% of the life on this planet, but that meant the quarter-sized burrowing mouse-like mammal finally got a shot to eventually climb up trees, become monkey-like, and then ape-like, until walking upright. And sure, the Mars-sized body that slammed into early Earth almost destroyed it completely. 
but the collision spewed enough material in space to begin an orbit and eventually form our moon, which in turn gave us the tides and tide pools we'd need for life to crawl onto land from water. Destruction, creation, destruction. A cycle of utter chaos and unified harmony, and a grand chain reaction as wide as the universe. Just zoom out with time. The Hindus believe their god Shiva is the destroyer, but destroying to make room for creation, so Shiva is known as the creator too. How can we say the universe tends towards chaos when we know that stars form from dust and galaxies form from stars, and everywhere we look we see systems giving rise to planets? When are we ready to admit balance is in charge rather than entropy? Or is that in my imagination? Scientifically speaking, all we really know is that comets exist when we see them and approach us from seemingly out of nowhere. We think from a far off place at the edge of our solar system called the Oort Cloud, but we know for a fact we've been visited by comets from back when our planet was only a few hundred million years old up to now. And these life-giving comets have been quietly passing by, or sometimes hitting us with a bang and absorbing into our planet. Perhaps no different than a giant interplanetary sperm, tail and all, seeding life anywhere it can find an egg that's in just the right position from its star. It's sad to think no one told them that maybe the spaceship they were looking for, flying through space, was the spinning ball they were already on. And since their container expires anyway, why rush it? It would have been nice if that group of people that were playing the same imagination game my daughter plays put it away at the right time, and before any real harm, just like she will. A healthy dose of nostalgia for a stuffed animal or a sci-fi show never really hurt anyone, but ultimately even nostalgia can be placed carefully into that soft and furry pile for a last time. While imagination can take an inorganic, inanimate object and bring it to life, and at the same time take you on a trip into the cosmos on the tail of a comet, or back in time to early Earth, it can also take your life if it's not handled with care and compassion and true creative spirit. Because imagination is a force in the cosmos that is, at the end of the day, a tool to fight all that chaos. Imagination is a creator. It brings ideas together and builds upon them in unique ways. It can help bring magic to whatever is out there in our daily lives that attempt to destroy it, or distract it, or make it numb, or relying on others' imaginations in the form of mindless media. It's easy to make our imaginations useless and leave it to others, and that's okay too. Not everyone is equipped to both use their imaginations and rein it in when or if needed. With or without imagination, time and growing up in general forces everyone to move on from their imaginative youth if they're lucky to have one. And even Hale-Bopp needs to continue, but it'll come back again one day. Maybe to reignite the imagination of humankind once again, likely around the year 4380, if we're still around then, or at least if we're still using our imaginations. Imagination can take you only so far before it too must return to suspended animation. So perhaps the real magic might be what we can make of each day for ourselves and the ones we love, even if it's just in the form of a magic trick that will someday, when she's grown up, just be a fuzzy memory, a simple seed of wonder planted on her birthday. Like all parents that do their best in this natural evolution of growing up, it does seem infinitely better to be a creator of our children's imaginative world than to be any kind of naysayer. And comets are the pink doggos of the cosmos. They animate worlds over time and have futures we can only dream about as they shed their long bridal veil of magic ingredients wherever they go. 
And these ingredients of life have always been space travelers. Earth is just the only base we know of so far. So, Arthur Bopp was probably right. Comets don't have apocalyptic significance, and Pink Dogga magically defied aging and beat both growing up and time itself. And although I can't do the magic forever, and I suspect the last time she'll even want the trick has already passed, when Dogga's days are finally done, I can still at least make her favorite simple garlic and olive oil pasta dish whenever she wants, and give her as good a canvas as any to build a more beautiful painting of her life than anything her father could overactively imagine. Truth be told, hers is one of my most favorite stories of life to imagine, and I'm both eager to see how it continues to unfold, but also overwhelmed by how fast it's unfolding. Maybe that's the reason for the trick, just to get another year of magic out of it all before it ends. But I do have one last piece of magic that's in a long orbit around the sun like hale and it won't happen for a long while. But it's one more pink dogga that I bought and keep wrapped, unopened, in storage, for maybe giving to her daughter someday, if she has one. That is, if I'm lucky enough to get the magical chance in life to reignite a new generation's imagination and reopen a flood of memories like a distant, all-but-forgotten comet returning again one last time before we meet that reincarnated spaceship in the heavens. Imaginatively speaking, of course, let's not get carried away. <laughs>